0: Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, host of Alligator Preserves. And in today's episode, you're going to learn a little bit about Leadville, a little town high, high, high up in the Rocky Mountains, a place where my husband and I have lived for 12 memorable years. And before I tell you a little bit about my own experience living there, I'm going to share a piece written by Marsha the editor of the Herald-Democrat newspaper, with her permission. So stay tuned. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. When I read Marsha Martinek's December 12th editorial entitled Describing Leadville, I knew I had to share it. And so I got on the phone with her right away and asked if I could. And she said, Of course. So I'm gonna start this episode with her piece called Describing Leadville. Marsha has been the Herald's Democrat editor for many, many years, and she's about to step down from that position so she can write columns about whatever she'd like to write. And she's also in search of new reporters. So if you know anyone out there who can string some sentences together and who's interested in local events... And who might want to live in Leadville after listening to this episode? Well, send them over to the Herald Democrat. Here's Marsha's piece. We've recently been interviewing reporter candidates here at the Herald. We advertise nationally and generally run across a few who have never heard of Leadville before. Some have never left the East or West Coasts, and ventured into the midsection of the country. Generally speaking, these are people who have never run or biked 100 miles. They have never dialed a random Leadville number to beg an unknown Leadvillian to mail them a melanzana. They have never skied, or if they have skied, they haven't done so on a mountain of any significance, None of this means they wouldn't be a good candidate for a Herald reporter. The trick lies in describing this community in a realistic way without scaring them off. It's one thing to portray Leadville in a tourist publication in order to attract visitors. It's another to lure someone here who won't flinch when the third May snowstorm arrives. Where in Colorado are you? One applicant asked. Up high is the response, high as you can get. Hard to explain to someone who has lived their whole life at sea level what it means to live at 10,200 feet. You will get used to it, we usually say, because we're generally talking to someone young and thus someone who will be able to acclimate. So how does one actually describe this community? Well, at one time, it was the richest community in the country, thanks to mining. It also was known throughout the nation as the wickedest community in the country, again, thanks to mining. But those days have passed. We clearly aren't the richest and haven't held the title for wickedness since the days when the soldiers training at Camp Hale weren't allowed to come into town. If people are familiar with better-known mountain towns such as Aspen, Vale, or Breckenridge, it becomes easier to describe Leadville. Ever been to Breckenridge, we ask? Well, that's not us. In fact, most of us have a goal of never, ever becoming anything like Breckenridge. If that stops the job applicant in their tracks, so much the better. The last thing we want is for someone to come here looking for Breckenridge, or Vail, or Aspen, and then decide it's their goal to change Leadville into one of those communities. There's no future here in that. Instead, we talk about the gorgeous scenery, the open space, the impressive mountains. We talk about the year-round opportunities for enjoying the outdoors. We talk of our storied history in the efforts to protect and preserve our heritage. We describe the people, our Leadvillians. We tell them that we are a community that is not pretentious, although people may have money or be well-educated or not. For the most part, people don't flaunt what they have or what they might have been in another life. It makes it easy to say hello to everyone when walking down the street. These conversations serve to make some people enthusiastic about Leadville, others not so much, but they help us remember what we have and our own good sense in coming here. That's worth something. That ends Marsha Martin editorial on describing Leadville. And when I read it, I read it to Mike and it actually choked me up just a little bit. And now I'll tell you why, why Leadville and why I ended up becoming Leadville Laurel. For those of you who have come to know me, you know, my strange fascination with presenting myself with challenges. It's one of the reasons I left Smith College to attend West Point and to spend as many years as I spent in the army, which I loved. And then of course, when you have children, they bring you whole new levels of challenges. (laughs) So we were actually living in Colorado Springs after Mike retired from 20 years of service in the army. And our neighbors suggested that we learn how to ski by going to Ski Cooper in Leadville. Now, we had never heard of Leadville, kind of like what Marsha suggested in her piece, that people on the coasts, and of course, Mike grew up in Northern California. I grew up on in the South Shore of Boston. I had never heard of Leadville, and I never really knew that we'd end up living in Colorado. Anyway, we were in Colorado Springs for four years, and that's how we discovered Leadville because we went to ski cooper to learn how to ski and snowboard and it was wonderful. And we stayed at the Leadville hostel and inn that was our home away from home. Well, my first impression was far different from Mike's when we first drove into Leadville. Mike felt right at home, immediately at home with this old mining town. I, when we first drove in, I was horrified. I'll just say it right off the bat. I thought, holy mackerel, who could live here? And after three years of living in Colorado Springs and visiting Leadville almost every weekend, as often as we could, my husband got into the 100-mile the races, bikes, and running, and the whole Leadman series, and of course, doing the Packborough race in 2005, which was our last year in Colorado Springs. We weren't even living in Leadville, and he did the pack borrower race, which I wrote about. Everybody loves a donkey tail. (laughs) Anyway, the idea of the challenge of living in an old mining town just got under my skin and fascinated me. And I decided I thought we ought to do it as a family. So I convinced Mike to leave his well-paying job and move to the tiny little mountain town at over 10,000 feet elevation. Sadly, my mother was not pleased with this move. When she and my dad came to visit, she just couldn't understand why I would want to live in my grandparents' home, or, you know, a home like my grandparents' home. We purchased a 120-year-old old Victorian home, which needed Lots of love and care and upgrades. And my dad, knowing that we liked to name our homes and knowing that Mike had completed the Packborough race during boom days before we even moved to Leadville, he suggested the name the Lead Ass Inn. And thus, our old Victorian home was dubbed the Lead Ass Inn. And my friend Nadine Collier's daughter, Sarah Collier, created a wonderful sign for the front of it with a a little donkey on it with the let us in and the the establishment date of 2007. Of course, after we started getting walk-ins, which amused me, I had to put add a little extra sign that said it was a private residence. We still got walk-ins because it's a beautiful home and I think people wanted to see it and I certainly loved to share it. We had our home on the Victorian Christmas Tours For several years, and I just loved sharing the history and and the beauty of that home with anyone who wanted to see it. So I taught English at the high school, language arts, I guess it's called, for four years and loved it. I've always loved interacting with young people and getting them excited about learning and reading. And then I discovered Dad's World War II letters. My mom had saved them in a shoebox. And at that point in my life, I really was feeling the urge to write. You know, my My whole life, people had told me I ought to write about whatever it was I was doing because I have always enjoyed storytelling. Imagine that. <laughs> anyway, I stopped teaching full-time at the high school and took on a job teaching one course per semester up at Colorado Mountain College as I was transitioning to becoming a full-time author. And in a place like Leadville, you can do that. You can do whatever you want. You can be as involved or not involved as you want. And in a place like Leadville, they crave community involvement. And you have people who overcommit to the point of burning out And I did that at one point. And then you have those who will never participate, just like people in communities across the planet. But in such a tiny town, it's much easier to note the divergence in a community between those who will work and contribute and those who just want to hide. And there are plenty of those as well, truth be told. So after I stopped teaching altogether, because I really wanted to focus on writing my books, I became Leadville Laurel. Of course, how could I not embrace the alliteration of that name as an author? And I started writing my books. Of course, still wanting to be part of the community, I started a writing group there. We started as Cloud City Writers, and that's where I met other authors and writers and poets, Carol Bellhouse and Stephanie Spong becoming my mentors in their own ways and helping me develop as an author. Stephanie's the one who introduced Rimo National Novel Writing Month, to our writing group, and after first thinking she was insane, that quest for challenge kicked in, and I ended up getting most of my first novel written, and that's how I ended up finally publishing Miss, the book that I had threatened my seventh graders with seven years earlier. For 12 years in Leadville, I was surrounded by inspiration. My walking buddy, John Stewart, and I would walk up the east side every morning until it got too slippery or too dangerous to walk. And just being surrounded by the mountains, so many of my scenes for my Water White series came from those walks and those talks and those suggestions John might make that would take me to crazy places in my fantasy adventure world. And of course also for those who know me you know that my goal as an author now is to write in as many genres as I can and to to publish in as many genres and suddenly the idea of creating a calendar came to me when Stephanie Spong asked if I would help raise funds for the Tabor Opera House the historic Tabor Opera House and that's how the Calendar Girls of Leadville project came about with our fabulous photographer Elise Sunday and all The crazy, wonderful, amazing women who took a chance at being in such a risque project. And now, years later, people are still asking for the calendar, and it's, I think, still making a few bucks here and there for the Tabor Opera House. That was wonderful fun, and it was a completely different project, something I never would have done, I think, anywhere else but Leadville. So how was it that I came to leave such a place? how could Leadville Laurel leave Leadville? Well, the truth is, I felt I was too young and too vain, honestly, to be hooked to an oxygen machine at night. It was something that happened, oh, a few years ago, and it devastated me, frankly. Living in Leadville is tough, and again, when you're over 10,000 feet in elevation, sometimes bodies protest, and sadly, mine did. It made me very angry too at the time, very angry and very sad. So I let Mike know that that wasn't how I wanted to live. And being the most amazing husband in the world as he has been for over 36 years, he started his search for a job that would move us to an elevation with more warmth and more oxygen. Can I still consider myself a Lead Villian though? And I actually prefer to call people who live in Leadville, villains because, you know, historically speaking, and when you talk about the history, those who passed through or sometimes stayed in Leadville were not always law abiding. Let's just leave it at that. I lived there for 12 years. I wasn't born in a molybdenum mine, so I could never really be considered a local, But I gave as much as I could while I was there. And, you know, I've had people ask me, how could you live there? How could you live there for that long? And part of it, I think, and I will admit, is ego. I was always proud of telling people I lived in Leadville because it meant I was tough and I could live in a harsh environment. And there's no frosting you can put on the reality of life in Leadville being tough. It's cold most of the year and even in the summer months, even in the beautiful summer months. And I have to say, the most beautiful place in the world in the summertime is Leadville. Well, we probably shouldn't let that out too far because already in Leadville, summers are crazy busy, but it's gorgeous because it never really gets much above 80 and it's dry and it's cool at night. It's really the perfect place to live in the summer. But the winter months, are long and cold, and the snow piles up, and it's around for a long time. And even though it's beautiful, there are times it can become burdensome, like when you have to rake off your roof. (laughs) Anyway, the idea of being proud and the the ego involved in saying, yeah, I'm tough, I live in Leadville, I enjoyed that. So I'm still going to keep my com website and the Leadville Laurel name because that's where I finally wrote all those books I'd been told I should write. And even though we live just an hour away now, a beautiful hour's drive between Salida and Leadville, I still feel its pull. The lead Inn will someday belong to others, but it will forever be the first house that felt real to me, felt like home. Perhaps even yes, felt like my grandparents' home, like their little Victorian home in Halifax, Massachusetts, where I always felt loved unconditionally. I have new challenges here. There's more writing to do, more podcasting to do. I'm going to start a new podcast next year with just my Dark Ebb stories, and my book Dark Ebb will come out. Early next year, I'll be coaching others with their writing. I have a huge garden I need to replant and harvest this year. And there's a community here also craving participants. My friend Stephanie said, Don't join anything for six months. And even though we're closing in on that, and I almost joined the Marimba Band, I decided instead that I'll sing and dance by myself for a while around our new home. Where I can sweat a little bit in the summer, and breathe more freely, year round. I want to thank Marcia Martinek for allowing me to share her piece describing Leadville, which again is in the Herald Democrat, the March twelfth edition. And again, if there are any reporters out there who, after listening to her piece and after hearing about my experience with living in Leadville for twelve quite amazing years, they're looking for reporters. If you've never heard of Leadville, look it up. Check out all the amazing opportunities that you can have in a little town like that, because I'm telling you, the ama- the opportunities are endless. You can be whatever you want to be there. Even a calendar girl's model. <laughs> to my listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this episode about Leadville. You can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at leadvillelaurel.com because I'm keeping that. You can email me at laurel at and follow me on Twitter at Leadville Laurel. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves, wherever you get your podcast to keep up with my latest episodes and tell your friends about it. Share, share this episode with someone you think might enjoy it. I hope you'll help support Alligator Preserves on Patreon. Check out the rewards you'll receive at patreon.com alligatorpreserves alligator And join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. Until then, I'm going to go upstairs and spread some wild berry preserves on my toast sent to us by our good friends, the Winkles in Ohio. Thank you, Marjorie and Marshall. And to everyone else, be good to yourselves and to others. See you next time. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at LeadvilleLaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at Amazon.com.